Hello, and welcome to episode 61 of Man vs. Business. My name is Les Janes, and I am here with my co-host, Sean McManaman. This week, Sean and I are discussing the topic of performance reviews and training. So with that, let's go ahead and start the show. Today's topic is performance reviews and training. So how those two kind of fit together. We're going to first kind of talk about uh, performance reviews and some of the pitfalls and you know possible ways of doing a, a performance review. But then again, how all of that wraps around training and the environment that goes along with that. So, um, well, I think it's also appropriate that we go there because we keep talking about people, and I think we, we finished our last podcast last week with the importance of people and, and how people are are the engine behind these processes that we talk about. And you have to take care of your people. You have to communicate with your people. So launching off of last week's podcast, talking about how you how you communicate with them on how well they're doing in a review um, – or what they need to improve on, and we'll get into the details. But I mean, I, I guess that's what I try to. I like to try to segue my story from one topic to the next to make sure that everybody is in line with the reasoning behind why we pick these topics. Yeah, I mean, you know, the probably the past eight to ten topics have all been, you know, leadership based, and I kind of consider this one, uh, you know, a, a leadership arena. You know, that really performance reviews and training are best done when leadership thoroughly understands the process and they're engaged. Yes. Uh, and you know? and I, I don't mean to hesitate when I say that. I guess one of the things that I've noticed is that people in management positions, let me start there, not necessarily leaders, because leader really does have a narrow definition. But people in management sure. positions are somewhat reluctant. I was going to use the word afraid, but reluctant to talk to people about how they're doing and what's expected of them. And, and yeah. if, if I can do anything to help people along when they listen to, you know, what we've experienced in our careers is that, is that by always talking to people and not talking at them, but with them, they will understand what they, what, what is expected. And then you can communicate on the accomplishments whether positive or negative, I don't know if you can have a negative accomplishment uh, of those expectations. So that's right. That's, so, so what do you mean by talking at them or with them? I think I know what you mean, but kind of break that down a little bit because I think that's that's probably an important nugget that we need to make sure everybody's clear. Right, on. And, and I believe that that words are very important. The words you choose are always very important. And I, and I know when you say, you know, hey, I'll talk, I'll talk to you later. I never say I'll talk to you later. I'll talk with you later because I think that that, mm -hmm. that exchange between people is a two-way level road of conversation. If you to me, if somebody says, "Hey, I'll talk to you later," okay, you're going to talk to me. Are you going to listen to what I've got to say? Then you're going to listen to the other half of it. So I think if you use your words and your terms more of a, of a, a collaborate in a collaborative way then there's there's not an intimidating factor of, okay, well, this guy's telling me what I should do. Think about it. If if the boss is sitting across the table from someone that that is getting the lecture of what they're supposed to do and they did it well, they didn't do it well, you know, if it comes down to that meeting when the person is sitting across the table and that's when they're finding out that they didn't do something well two or three months ago, 
that's poor communication skills. Skills. So when you talk with people, you should be talking with people not only on a on a regular basis. And I, I don't even want to say annual. You shouldn't. Performance reviews, you know, people think that they're annual, but they're really more often than annual. The official documentation filling out of checkboxes and things like that, if that's if it floats your boat in your company to do it that way, then typically those are, are annually done. But but to me a performance review, you should really sit down and have a heart to heart at least quarterly. Along right. with the day to day conversations. Sure. So I think that one of the things that I wanted wanted to touch on was was the different types of performance evaluations that uh, you and I have been through. Uh, probably the most most familiar one is the you know the annual checklist style performance appraisal, um, where they're just setting expectations and they're seeing if you meet those expectations in several categories. You know, and they're usually doing that at the end of the year. My personal opinion is that alone is worthless. Absolutely. It is just absolute craziness to do. Um, now, you can start expanding from that, and you can start doing some 360-type some activities where you're actually trying to uh, go down the chain by getting the employee's input in the process and, and doing some of that. That's one step up. But it's still okay. Good. I was I was hoping to go there, <laughs> and and we, we didn't we didn't uh, talk about this before our meeting today uh, in preparation. But I did read an article on LinkedIn or something like that that, that said nowadays these three hundred and sixty uh, reviews kind of are worthless. You, you're going to take somebody that works yeah. for somebody else and get their input. Like, what do they really know? So. What does you know? What does the guy next door really know? What what does what does that person want to impart about his or her colleague? You know, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 a measure. The thing that the thing that all leaders and managers need to do is to understand what type of information they're asking for when they get it. Figure out how, how what the quality is of that of that response. And then make make right. a determination. To me, you can't evaluate somebody unless you have a good idea of what they're doing and and how they right. do it. So, and what I was going to say was the next level to that that people have done is just done that same worthless thing more often, which has maybe made it a little less worthless. Mm-hmm. But again, still at the end of the day, it's worthless. So they may have they may have punched it up to doing it once a quarter. But if they'd sit back and think about it a second, what they're doing is working towards a scenario where they're communicating with the employee employee more often than not. So just take the leap and start communicating with the employee often. Mm -hmm. That's really the first step, you know, because like you said, you need to know what that employee is doing, uh, what his role is, what his job description are. You need to talk to him on at least a weekly basis, trying to understand uh, what they're working on, what they're doing, what the expectations are, what they're trying to get done, how they can get better. Have those conversations at that time. Now, if your company wants to formalize that, like you said, so that you can check some boxes, cross some T's, and come up with some sort of score that then figures out how to take and divvy up money, so be it. But it's still, don't try to take and replace the process with 
talking with people. Right. And and you know, we know there's probably people out there listening to say, oh, well, I have a whole lot of reports and it's hard. You know, you don't see them. They're remote. Um, you know, if the org chart makes it difficult, then, then you have to sit back and figure out a, a way to to manage that. If you're responsible for the performance of a group of people, then you're responsible to understand fully how that group of people are performing in their day-to-day jobs. Now, not not on a day-to-day basis, but, but like you said, there's got to be some kind of interaction. And, you know, whether it's weekly or, or bi-weekly, I know for me, having 20 guys in a, in a fabrication shop, I, I find out one specific thing from each person that they're doing. And I rotate, I rotate through that and find out how they, how they managed on that. And then I ask their supervisor how things are. So, so when it comes time to, to evaluate the performance of somebody, I use that one example and extrapolate. Now that might not be the best way to do it either, but I extrapolate by, by one example and then the rest of the input from the supervisor, because the supervisor is seeing them day to day, hour to hour as but then here's, but here's the thing, you're more in touch. Whether it's better or not, you're absolutely more in touch with what's going on. You, you're closer to reality than, you know, out of touch. Yeah, well, some people would argue that point, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so I think that, um, you know, kind of touching on your point about remote personnel, you know, remote personnel it does make it a little bit more challenging. You know, if you've got salespeople or they're constantly on the road and things like that. But at the end of the day, there's still a phone and there is still Skype, Skype. And FaceTime and everything like that. And then, and then there's reports too. There's also, you know, if they're supposed to have, you know, 50, 50 contacts with customers and, and their report says mm-hmm. that they have consistently, you know, 27 contacts with customers, then, okay, that's a performance measure that you have to talk to them about, you know, there's, there's a gap. gap so. Yeah. And we got to figure out there's how to handle that gap. So I, so I, you know, I think that, you know, companies have tried many different methodologies for trying to do some sort of, uh, performance appraisal. I think the thing that, you know, I would, you know, you know, try to discourage companies the most is just don't try and throw something at it just because you need to capture some yearly information because that is a waste of everybody's time. So there, there, I, I truly think there's a cultural uh, change that needs to happen with properly doing uh, uh, performance um, evaluations all throughout a year, you know, and, and what that truly looks like. So people need training. They need accountability training. They need uh, communication training. Uh, they need uh, training on handling uh, difficult conversations. You know, like you said, a lot of managers shy away from this because uh, they have a hard time with it. You know, uh, why do they have a hard time with it? Well, you know, they, you know, they're, I don't know, they're shy. They're maybe they're in a position they shouldn't be in. Who right, knows? Right. There, yeah, there could be many, many uh, reasons for them not be them being the manager, not being able to respond to a challenge by the person that they are evaluating. And, and, you know, I think, I think, you know, a little deeper than that. And, and I would imagine if I could just broad brush one cause, I would broad, and I would always put it on the manager. You got to that, to that position because you are, you are good in some ways. And unfortunately, if you became a manager because you were good at the, the hands-on job and now all of a sudden you, you manage people, but you don't have the skills 
to manage people and communicate what is expected of them, I boil down the issue of, of managers not wanting to communicate performance because the manager didn't communicate the expectations well enough. So, right. so I, I, I do put it back on the manager, but then I put it back on upper management for not training that manager on how to have those conversations, whether laying out the, yep. laying out the expectations and then the, the check-in on how the expectations are being met along the year, along the quarter, along whatever the timeline is that you need it to be. In, a, in other words, leadership set that person up to fail. Very, very well may be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think the other thing that we were going to want, we wanted to wrap around this conversation of, of performance is training, because I think that that's one of, one of the other key pieces of the pie uh, of, of um, how, how you can make sure that performance is going well. And the way I'm, the way I'm looking at it is training is an avenue or a, what would you call it, uh, a, a method in which you can have those conversations we're talking about. So if you're needing to talk to an employee on a daily or weekly basis, wrap it around the theme of training. What, what do you need to be trained on? What are your gaps that you, you need to learn? Could it be product-based? Could it be process-based? Could it be tool-based? Use training as a way to uh, bridge that communication and uh, allow for you to have a topic that you can talk to an employee about. And I guarantee you, from training, it's going to branch into other things. Right. And listening to you, you and, and what you're saying is is perfect for what needs to be done. I'm, I'm thinking in my in my head as you're saying that training is such a huge, it's, it's got a lot of content. You know, needless to say, training will have content. But but saying saying training, what we have so many different ways to train, and so many different things that need to be trained on it it's almost overwhelming it's almost overwhelming yes the training i would so agree the way i look at it the way i look at it is and tying both the performance evaluation of people and the and the training is i, I kind of wrap it into the world of or the word of cultivation or cultivating somebody i, I i'm trying i'm mm. very visual in my and i and i picture you know a flower or a plant or something like that 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 no, you plant it and then you tend to it. So what is that tending? That tending to it is is giving it what it needs, feeding it. So you have to feed it some kind of training. So even though training is a, a huge uh, concept, you know, where do I start? Safety training, product training, you know, all these things. Well, what does that what does that person need? What does that group need? You know, so you you don't want to you want to inundate yourself with training for different people and things like that. You you can group it and and train on what the either the individual or the group needs in order to, to just grow a little bit, okay? And and it doesn't have to be, you know, a week long a week long training on something that will get them to be experts, you know, or six months worth of training to get them on experts. But what are they what are they gonna what are they going to train on, or what do you need to feed them in order for them to grow, be happier in their job, produce good work, and go home safely. You know, as far as you know, as far as uh, training durations, kind of touching on that for a second, a little bit off topic, but I am much more, at least these days, I am much more uh, obliged, <laughs> obliged uh, to do training that is shorter than longer. 
If I can figure out how to break that training into snippets or smaller nuggets, I would much rather do that style of training where somebody gets trained for 30 minutes, they're done, they go through uh, some sort of an evaluation, which could be a quick questionnaire or a simple test or a, or a, um, um, you know, they do the work, you know, whatever it might be and they're done, you know, but, but these larger trainings, I, I don't know of too many people that have the ability to sit in a, in a training class for a whole day and walk away with more than a very high percentage of what they Mm -hmm. heard, you know? And so, you know, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of taking somebody's time and putting them in a week long training. You know, now I have been known to send certain people, especially in leadership roles, to a day training on, let's say, communication or, or accountability or, you know, you know, something like that, something very specific and, you know, day long, you know, but I'm very cautious not to just jump into right. that. Uh, in many cases, you know, day long training, you might get two hours worth of, of retainable information. Retention. Yeah. 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 Yeah, something that they can do with, you know, something they can do with it. And if you're sending them out, they're most likely not getting uh, uh, verified in any way that they understood the, the, the process or the topic as well, a whole. You know, so you're missing that whole aspect of, of training because that's the other thing I believe is training is really not as good without some sort of validation process that they truly understood what you just trained them. So that could be in ways of, you know, if you train somebody how to do internal audits after you're done, go have them do an internal audit and see if they caught on to it. Uh, if you trained them on, you know, how to just do a, a small task, have them do that task or have them, you know, answer some quick questions. What about this? What about that? If they sit there and go, Oh, I can't remember. Oh, I don't know. (laughs) Obviously it's not working and they're walking away, you know, with, with nothing and, and training is not serious. So, um, you know, I, I truly think you've got to do, you've got to do both, uh, for training to be worthwhile and for that person to help them become engaged, knowing that if they're engaged, they're now, uh, working on their performance. And so that's why we kind of connected these two together. They're truly engaged in their own performance. Excellent. You know, and and that was a nice segue to what I was thinking on about in, in adding to what you said, not only, not only wanting them to get engaged, but they have to be invested. They, the the person that's the person that, that is going to be trained really needs to be invested in that training so that they do retain the information and are able to accomplish the evaluation at the end, the task that they're being evaluated on because they want to, they want to make to that next step. They want to grow that little bit and then they can be reviewed or their, their, their performance be evaluated based on now a new skill that they learned or a new task that they've undertaken, a new collateral duty or something so, so it's not a matter of, hey, I'm going to push training on you so you do your job better. You really want to see that your employee wants that training, retains the information, and now does take that next step up the ladder as, as, a, yeah. as a productive person in the group. And on the, on the manager side, some advice for them. When you start doing this process, again, you're dealing with the culture. When you start talking about performance activities and gaps and training, all that kind of stuff, I promise you eight times out of 10, or, you know, I'm guessing there, but 
a lot of times the employees are going to gnash their teeth and whine and moan at first until you you stick with it and you prove to them this is not something that's going to go away. It's something that I, as, as a leader, you take serious or as a manager, you take very serious and you're delivering it in a passionate and caring way. After, after time, the employees are going to start to also engage. But as a manager, you've got to kind of buck up, so to speak, because at first it's going to be painful. And what happens is, is why a lot of these managers don't do these things is they'll, they've been told to do it. They go do it two or three times and they're like, oh, I get so tired of hearing these employees just, why are we talking about this? Why are we doing that? Why are we? It's kind of like talking with your kids. At first, they're not going to like it. <laughs> they just aren't, you know? So, so in other words, build a bridge, understand you're going to have to be um, diligent and you're going to have to keep going uh, for it to slowly change the culture and the mindset. And you'll have a few people that will never quite get there, but you know, don't give up right off the bat as a manager. Don't, don't get beaten down quickly. Just walk into it, realizing that at first, especially depending on the culture you have, it, this really does depend on, you know, if you've got a culture where everybody's been kind of left to their own, you know, reins to do whatever the heck they want to, or if you truly have had a very structured culture and very engaging culture, it's going to be different in either one. But if it's a culture that needs a lot of work, then it's going to take diligence and engagement and consistency and patience, you know, for a long period of time and patience. Yeah. All those, all those good buzzwords of, of trying to, you know, truly get through it and, and, and realize that, yes, there are going to be days you're going to go home and you're going to go, oh, my goodness, they're just not getting it. Oh, my goodness, they don't want to, you know, get involved and help. But yeah, after a while, they will. Oh, they will. If you've got a good team, if you've got a good team, they will. I truly believe that change this is a little off topic, but I truly believe that change will happen. It just won't happen on your timeline. Because your timeline is always very short. Well, yeah, you're and you're right off topic, but I will say, and something that I have learned over the years is that you know what you want to have accomplished, and, and making sure that you uh-huh. convey that, and then the receiving people understand it. That, that you're right, the timeline is different. No matter how well you convey it, the the soak time for the change. Yes is a lot longer than, than what's in your mind because you've already made that change in your mind. You, 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 know, right. you know what the goal yeah. is. And so it's easy yeah. for you. Right. Yeah. So, you know, we want to get from point A to point B, snap of a finger, but remember there's two sides to this sword, and you're sh- you're sharp on one side, but they're dull <laughs> on the other. So it takes time. <laughs> you know, it takes time. <laughs> Did you like that one? It takes time to get them sharpened up. <laughs> okay. You know? They want to be sharp, though. They want to be sharp. They want to be sharp, but you know, they just—it's not a light switch. You know, it's just not zeros and ones. If there's more, we're we're more complicated than that. Humans are a lot more complicated. And that's what I always want to bring up. That yeah, we are we are people. We're rational beings, and uh, things have to make sense. Or sometimes irrational. Um, you hope you don't have too many yeah, of those. Just like, just like a number, a number can be either positive or negative, rational or irrational. So, so yeah, so we are, we are, uh, we're numbers. Uh Oh, we're going to start talking about math. I better get my wife mm-hmm. on the line. Anyway. So, so I think that the reason we, we, we kind of wanted to tackle this topic was because, uh, I, you know, 
I think you can tell by listening to our podcast that we're truly passionate about about training. You know, training I think is is so important, and it's one area where companies have a tendency to skip or skimp, I should say. And um, you know, training uh, you know always gets pushed by the wayside until it's needed. You know, it's not consistent. So you know, we're very passionate about making sure that you've got an environment where training is important. But the other half of this podcast. This particular podcast was the fact that you've got to take that training and wrap it around uh, personnel growth and personnel uh, appraisal process and make sure that you're putting a process in place that is valuable for both the company and the employee and that you both see the value right. in it. Absolutely. What, anything you'd I, add to just that? Just the one word that I was going to summarize your the first half of this talking about training, it's it is foundational. Because if you think of it, uh-huh. if you if if you leave the understanding of each worker bee up to their own devices or their colleagues' devices of how they do things, then then you know your foundation could be a little a little loose. If you focus more on making sure everyone is trained you know, whatever it is, work instructions or whatever task it is, the same way on the same documentation, then, you know, the outcome should be more consistent. Quality should be better. I think it's I think it's foundational. Yeah. So that's where it shouldn't be left to when you need it. It should be foundational. And then, of course, retraining if, if somebody's performance isn't where it's expected to be based on the information that they were given. So I'm going to wrap up here with a with a it's it's kind of a pick, but it was really kind of a good idea in our team on um, uh, work instructions. You just mentioned work instructions and training to those work instructions. One of the things we're trying out is we've got procedures written and we've got 12 procedures. That's all we have. It's 12 procedures. From those 12 procedures, we're actually going to try and write what we're calling step steps to. Um, statements, and we're using an access database uh, to where we define the steps to topic and the steps within that particular nugget. They And they range anywhere from three steps to the most we've got so far is 20 steps. And it makes it to where we don't have to manage them as work instructions or revisions or anything like that. They're just in this database. So if you wanted to look up the topic on um, how to log a new customer, you search for how to log a new customer, brings it up. You see the eight steps to how to do it. You follow those steps, and it's got everything you need, including the step description along with the um, any key information that goes with that step and any training that goes with that Very step. Good. So like, like if one of the steps is to log into SharePoint and load this piece of information, it might say out there in training, make sure you know how to do SharePoint maneuvering. Mm-hmm. And that could be another, you know, training class. So now we're building, and we just started building this uh, this week. Um, you know, building this, we're all actually sitting down, and we're all coming up with these all all these little snippets of of things that people need to know how to do. Because one of the things I told them was, you know, hey, if you know if you're not here, we need to give it the less the stupid less <laughs> test. Can less do it? Now, not as fast and not as good. But can I do it? If I can't, we need to write something that says, 
if everyone's out today, can Les do it? <laughs> and we, we, we even thought about doing bracelets or something, you know, can Les do it or something, you know? <laughs> you know, so it's a good, uh, it's a good rallying um, message though, you know? Yeah, it's kind of pulling people together, and, and it's actually doing a couple things. It's making them, one, truly think about the detailed steps of, for what they do to do just a snippet of something. You know, how do I, how do I enter in a sales order into the ERP system? Here's the eight mm-hmm. steps. You know, how do I, how do I, how do I, there was a time here about two weeks ago where two, two of the guys out, and I needed to call the courier to come pick up something. I didn't have a clue who to call or or how to get the courier there. I had to I had to text him to you know figure it out, and he walked me through the process. But if it was in the steps two list, I could find search for that thing and look for the eight steps to you know to call up a courier, fill out the pick list to you know to make sure this is on there, make sure that's on there, and then get you know get it there, whatever the steps were. But and the other thing I told him, I said. Also think of these as things that you guys as leaders can now start handing off if I'm able to get some temporary help or somebody, you know, here working, you could say, hey, here's eight POs, here's how to load POs, step through it once with me, make sure you're good if you have any questions, and then load these eight following these instructions. You know, so anyways, I just had to share that because I, I thought that was a really cool idea this week and kind of goes along with this this theme of training. And, you know, because at our previous life, we wrote so many work instructions and they, a lot of words mm. and, you know, a lot of doc, documents you had to control. And it was just an unbeating. <laughs> <laughs> it was a beating. <laughs> I yeah. lived it. Yes, you did. And I'm glad it was you and not me. <laughs> Well, anything else you want no, to add I to this? That was uh, a pretty a broad topic, but we spoke topic, but kind of pointedly as to how general things yeah. should be addressed. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap up here, and I hope that it- I hope you enjoyed this episode of Man versus Business. Please note that neither Sean nor myself are business consultants. We just have a strong passion for discussing all things business. Please remember to visit sigmatree.co to see our other podcasts, our business ventures, and our blog. And by the way, you can also drop us a line from the message page. Again, thank you and have a good week.